I don't know the things that you've been through in your life, and I don't know how God has touched you. I don't know your history. I don't know the victories that you had. But one thing that I know, God has been faithful. And just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment, just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to think about your life before Christ. How much of a mess you were. How you drank, smoked, sex outside of marriage. How you did everything that was just contrary to the word of God. That was you. That was me. Now I want you to think about the day that Christ came into your life. Changed everything about you. You may not have seen an immediate change in your life, but over time, God changed your life. And now, now I want you to think about your life now, looking back. Looking back and looking at all the things he saved you from, where you could have been, who you could have been. Some of you probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have even been here right now, but God has been faithful. He's been faithful. To all of us. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, and Lord, there are not enough words in the English vocabulary to tell you how thankful we are. God, you've redeemed us from the pits of hell, Lord, and you have saved us with a grace that's everlasting. And so, Lord, today we just want to come and say thank you, Lord, for many victories that you've won, God, and all how you have just taken us from one point to the next in our life. God, you've been faithful. So, Lord, today as we walk through the word, God, help us to remember that. And not only that, God, help us to make steps every day where we continue to experience the faithfulness of God and we see our walk with Christ growing stronger and stronger each day. It is in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Before we jump into the main text today, I want you to invite you to go to Psalms chapter 107, just thinking about thanksgiving and praise how faithful God has been. You know, over the past few weeks, we have experienced God move in some incredible ways in our church, uh, around the church, local missions projects. God has done incredible things. Over the last few weeks, over 100 people have made decisions for Christ over the last few weeks. Weeks. And the thing that I love about that is God was no respecter of person. You see, Caucasian, African-American, Hispanic, Asian, people coming to Christ, people coming saying, hey, I used to be a Mormon, but now I've turned my life to Christ. I didn't know God at all, and I have turned my life over to Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we are seeing a genuine move of God. And there's somebody here today, before I even jump into the message, you're here and you're saying, man, 
I need that in my life. I need what those people have in my life. Man, my life is such a mess right now, and I need Jesus Christ in my life. My friend, my brother, my sister, he is the only answer that you have. The only answer. There is no bottle, no drug, anything that's going to keep you, that's going to hold you like Jesus can. There's nothing. Nothing. And so I want to invite you. At the end of this sermon today, I'm going to give an invitation. And at that invitation, don't let anything hold you back or let no one hold you back. Come to Jesus just as you are. Come to him. And I guarantee you, he won't let you down. Amen? In Psalm 107, this particular song is talking about the children of Israel uh, being redeemed, being captured, or being rescued by God. And when I thought about this morning, because, you know, the move of God, it can't be planned, it can't be manufactured, it can't be physically reproduced. This is something that has to be done by the Holy Spirit. And so when I looked at Psalm 107, I started thinking about A.D., how God has been faithful and what our response should be to a holy God. Look at what it says, verses 1 through 9. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And then it says this, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. What that means is if you have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, you ought to be saying something. Whom he has redeemed from the hand of the adversary and gathered from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. Just think about how you wandered for years trying to figure out what's truth, what's not truth. And this is what God did. And, and then in verse 6 it says, And then they cried out to the Lord in all their trouble. He delivered them out of their distress. He led them also by a straight way to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Look at verse 9. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul. <laughs> Anybody in here thirsty this morning? You've been walking this road for way too long, and you're like, man, Pastor, I haven't had a drink in, in day. I'm not talking about the drink you're thinking about, but I'm talking about the drink from the living well. And the hungry soul, he's filled with what is good. That, that verse spoke to my soul because, man, there ought always to be thanksgiving for what God is doing in our lives and in our midst. But the danger in this is as we walk and we see the move of God and see God changing lives and see God speaking to us and doing things in our midst that he's never done before, the danger is taking shortcuts. Well, Pastor Ken, what do you mean by shortcuts? Well, what I mean by shortcuts is that as we look at what God is doing, you may be tempted to look at the ordinances of God and the Word of God and say, you know what, God, that sounds good, but I'm going to figure out another way I can do that that keeps me comfortable and that's easy. So this morning, as we look at that first point, we will attempt to make... Uh, to take the shortcuts to achieve the same results with less effort, and, and it is a failure to follow God's ordinances. It is a failure to follow the ordinances of God. And so the verse this morning that we're going to go to is going to be 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 
And this is an example of what happened in Scripture when someone tried to take a shortcut. Tried to take a shortcut. And so I must give you the context before we get started this morning. The context of this particular scripture is you have David, the King David, and he is not yet king. Uh, back in chapter 10 of First Chronicles, chapter 13, uh, First Chronicles, uh, David is preparing to become king. Saul dies in battle with the Philistines. And as time goes on, as the scriptures go on, in chapter 10, Saul dies, David becomes king. In chapter 11 and 12, David actually uh, starts pulling together an army of men, of faithful men, of men that were there with Saul, but have now, since Saul has died, he has become the person, the king of Israel. And so in chapter 13, David says, hey, I want to bring back the Ark of the Covenant. Now, the Ark of the Covenant was, if you look back in Exodus chapter 25, you'll see God directing the children of Israel to create the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was symbolized the presence of God. And so David says, hey, the Ark of the Covenant has been gone too long. Uh, they've had it in the Philistine camp, and they took it from the Philistine camp to someone else's house. And now, after 20 years, we want to bring the Ark back to Jerusalem. So that's where we pick up our text today in 1 Chronicles chapter 13. And it says this, And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds, and with every leader, and David said to all the assembly of Israel, If it seems good to you, and if the Lord our God let us send out to our brethren everywhere who are left in all the land of Israel and with them to the, to the priests, the Levites who are in their cities and their common lands that they may gather together with us. And let us bring the ark of God back to us for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. Then all the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes of all the people. Catch that. The Philistines... So David gathered all Israel together from Shinar in Egypt as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God back to Kiriath-Jerim. David and all Israel went up to Bala and Kiriath-Jerim, which belongs to Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God who dwells between the cherubim, where his name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Abinadab, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before God with their might and with singing on harps, with, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And they came to the Chidon's threshing floor. And Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the ox had stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of God that day, saying, How can I bring the ark of God back to me? So David would not move the ark with him into the city of David, but took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom in his house three months, and the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. 
So you may be saying, well, Pastor Ken, how does this apply to shortcuts today? How does this apply to what we're going through? Well, I'm going to tell you a short story. When I was in sixth grade, I lived, most of you know, I grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, in sixth grade, my mother told me, she said, okay, you are now old enough to ride your bike to school or walk to school. And so, man, I thought that was just the greatest thing. I mean, man, a mile and a half unsupervised. This is going to be great. (laughs) At 12 years old, she told me the route I needed to go. She says, hey, I want you to go up West 23rd Street. You know, when you hit West 23rd Street, you want you to make a right on Fairfax. After you make a right on Fairfax, you go across the highway, you go down the road, and then you make another right, and Susie Talbert, my school was right there. Easy. So we did that for a couple weeks. Me and my buddy, we, me and my buddy Wayne, me and Wayne used to love to hang tight, man. Me and Wayne, I mean, man, just the name Wayne just knows you, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> well, me and Wayne, we start walking. Wayne said, hey, man, why are we walking all this long way? He said hey, we can cut right through the cut over there. Now, if any of you are from an African-American, the cut, y'all know what the cut is. A cut through, you know, simplified, a cut through. Somewhere, a shortcut that we don't have to take the long way. He says, hey, man, we can go through the cut and we can get there. I said, all right, Wayne, let's take the shortcut. So we start walking. The first place in my journey was walking behind my house through a wooded path with all kind of broken beer bottles. I said, okay, we can handle that. Twelve years old. Then the next thing, he said, well, man, the only thing we got to do, we got to run down this ditch. It was probably a ditch, probably about as steep as this. Snapping turtles, alligators, everything is just in this ditch. (laughs) So Wayne said, man, that's okay. Let's just jump the ditch. I said, okay, Wayne, I'm with you, man. Let's just jump the ditch. We... We jump the ditch, and man, we get it. Then the next thing, it is a four-lane highway like 82, okay? I'm not joking. I don't know if y'all remember Frogger, but boy, we were was, we was dodging and, and running. <laughs> Twelve years old, we did this. Well, that wasn't it. Wayne said, well, man, we, we, hey, we're, we're right at home now. We're almost there. I mean, we're almost there. I said, all right, Wayne, we, we got it. So we start walking. And on the edges, and you know, in Florida, you got these big ditches, and I mean, I mean, they're huge, like 20, 13, you know, 20, 12, 13 feet up. And so as we were walking, there was a ditch down below, and there were like these old sandbags. You know how the military went in and put in old sandbags to hold the dirt back? And so we were walking on these sandbags on the edge. Now, I could have slipped and fell <laughs> or broke my neck. Same thing, moccasins, snapping turtles, alligators, all that down there. <laughs> I'm 12 years old, I'm not even thinking about it. And then we get to the railroad track. A railroad track. Jacksonville is very active, has very active railroad tracks. Great place for kids. We could throw rocks, we could hang out, you know, talk a little bit. And so, man, we're going down there. And then, lo and behold, Garrett, the biggest challenge for a teenager. Man, they got pipes, two pipes, running beside the railroad track over the water with the moccasins and alligators in it. Man, perfect challenge for a 12-year-old. And man, I remember, Garrett, I was walking. I was like, oh, this is great. And I was running across the pipes, and my leg slipped down in between one of the pipes. I said, now, I'm not worried about dying here. I'm worried about you calling my mama and my mama killing me (laughs) here on the pipe. And I remember that so vividly. And you know what? 
our life is like that. We think that taking the shortcut is the easy way. But what you don't understand is the shortcut is riddled with danger. Now, let me break it down to where you are today. Maybe you're living with somebody that's not your spouse. And you say, Pastor Ken, you know, man, we're good together. We've been seeing each other for a long time. Man, it's okay if we sleep together. It's okay if we live together. You're taking a shortcut. God didn't say do it like that. You're taking a shortcut. Or maybe, or, or maybe, you know, it's not that for you, and maybe it's your children. Maybe you're raising children, and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Ken, I don't want to discipline my kids the way the Bible says. That's too strict. You know, that, was, that happened a long time ago. You're taking a shortcut. You are taking a shortcut. You know what you're saying in your heart? You're saying that, God, I understand that I need to do this, but I don't, I'm not worried about what you say how to do it. I'm going to do it the way I say how to do it. It doesn't just stop there. School, work, your employer pays you to work eight hours a day. It's okay. I'll get on Facebook, and I know who you are because I look on Facebook right around 10 o'clock in the morning. What you doing on Facebook? You at work. <laughs> Shortcuts. Major purchases. Medical issues. You don't go to God, you don't ask him anything, and you just do whatever you want to do, shortcuts. And the problem with shortcuts is this, three things. The problem with shortcuts, and this is not in your notes, there are three problems with shortcuts. Number one, God is not pleased when you do take shortcuts. He's not pleased. Not, not to please someone else, God is not pleased when you take shortcuts. And so when I look at my life, and I look at my life up against God's Word, and it's not matching up, I've got to understand something's not right. God never told me to do it like this. Number two, not only is God not pleased, it delays the process. If God is trying to teach me something, and I'm continuing to take shortcuts, it's going to take longer for me to get to my destination. Does that make sense, everybody? And then the last thing, this, and this is what blew my mind. This is, this is what blew my mind. When we take shortcuts, somebody ends up getting hurt. Somebody ends up getting hurt. Look at the scripture. You know why Uzzah died? It's because somebody decided to take a shortcut. David said, and David knew the law because he was now king. He knew the Levites were the only people that should have been touching the ark. And, and, and instead of stopping the process and saying, you know what? Hey, let's go to God and ask God what we need to do. He continued the process, and then the Bible says, and the people did what was right in their sight. You see that? And so in our own lives, we've got to know when we decide to take shortcuts, bad things happen. Bad things happen. When you look at families today, and I know we got a lot of families in this church that are hurting. You know why we're hurting? Somebody decided to take a shortcut. Said, God, I know what your word says. I understand. I understand the Bible. I've been reading the Bible since I was a young child. But God, your way just doesn't fit my way of living right now. 
So let's go back to the word. Because this will hinder us from seeing revival continue to happen in our midst. If there is something in your life or there are shortcuts in your life that you continue to take, God is saying, look, you know, I want to do something in them. I want to do something in this church. I want to do something in this community. But the people have to respond. When I start speaking, they need to respond in obedience. There has to be an immediate response of obedience when we hear God's word. And so now, how do we get back on track? How do I get back on track not only to please God, but to see a continual move of the Spirit in my home, in my church, in our community? Yes, over 100 people gave their lives to Christ, or 100 decisions were made for Christ. But man, how do we continue to foster an environment where that continues to go? How do we get back on track if we are in this position? Go ahead and go to 1 Chronicles chapter 15. 1 Chronicles chapter 15. I love this because God shows that there is redemption when you do get off track. And we don't have to beat ourselves up. We don't have to say, you know what, I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to do this right. I'm I'm never, you know, I'm never going to be who God called me to be. You see right here in chapter 15 where God redeems this, this particular situation. So look at 1 Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 13. And I'm going to read. Now David built houses for himself in the city of David. He prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And David said, no one, look at here, I'm laying down the law already. No one is able to carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord chose them to carry the ark of God and to minister to him forever. And David assembled all Israel and Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord and its place, which he had had prepared for it. David gathered together the sons of Aaron and the Levites and the son of Kohath, Uriel, the chief, and 120 of his relatives, and the sons of Merari, and, and Asa, the chief, and 220 of his relatives, and the sons of Gershom, Joel, and the chief, and 130 of his relatives, and the son uh, Eliaphaz, and Shemana, uh, and the chief, and 200 of his relatives, and the sons of Hebron, Eli, and the chief of 80 of his relatives, and, and the sons of Uzel, and Amenadab, the chief, and 112 of his relatives. And David called for Zadok and Abathar, the priests. And for the Levites, and for Uriel, Asa, Joel, Shemaiah, Eli, and Abinadab. And he said to them, you are the heads of the father's houses, households of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, both you and your relatives, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place that I have prepared for it. Look at verse 13. 13. He says, because you did not carry it at first, The Lord our God made an outburst on us, for we did not seek him according to the ordinances. That was a message for me. Whenever whenever God calls and whatever God speaks, I don't want to be a hindrance to the move of God. And so in order not to be a hindrance in the life of what God is doing, despite what I've done in my past, I've got to see the Lord, I've got to see his word, and now I've got to line up in obedience to that word. There's got to be obedience. 
Obedience to God's holy word. There's, listen, it's time out. It's time, it's time out to be playing games with God and I'm just going to live how I want to live and I'm just going to pick up the slack later on. God, God is not pleased with that. He's calling us to obedience. And then look at verse 28 of chapter 15. And thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with horns, the sound of horns and with trumpets and loud sounding cymbals and with harps and of lyres. So the last five points, and this will be brief. Five points. Number one, you've got to realize that forgiveness is available. Amen. You've got to realize that forgiveness is available through a loving and caring God. Sometimes, Calvin, we want to think that God doesn't love us, nor does he care about us, or we've done something so bad in the past that he will never receive us as his children. And the fact of the matter is, is that he's waiting with open arms for all of us. And so what he is saying, he said in this, hey, realize that there is forgiveness. Forgiveness, that's available. You man, you woman, and I start talking through these things, and you realize that was you. He said, hey, I forgive you. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's what a loving God does for us. He doesn't treat us like other people treat us. Because you know people, man, we'd be like, hey, you done did me wrong one time. You ain't going to do it to me again. No, no. God's not like that. Forgiveness is available. Number two, we read God's word for clarity. Read God's word for clarity. If there is something in your life that you are unaware about, and you say, Lord, I want to get my life right with you. God, I want to do what you've called me to do. I've seen, I've personally experienced two things in my life, or three things in my life. He'll, he'll reveal it through his written word. I'll get in my word, and I'll spend time in it, and as I'm spending time in it, he'll start highlighting things that are in my life that are not pleasing to him. He'll do that. Or... When I am reading through, or God will send someone to me, a brother, to count out the things in my life. He'll say, hey, to point out the things in my life. Hey, that's not right in God's sight. Hey, that's not right. You need to stop that. Let me show you what God's word says regarding this particular issue. And so they show me, and I'm able to see it in black and white, what God says about a certain issue. Amen? Amen? Amen. Or the third thing. There will be times in your life where God will give you clarity on his word through times of prayer. There will be a deep conviction in your heart through times of prayer. And God will point out the things. He'll say, hey, this, this, you need to look at this. You need to pay attention to this. Because I want there to be a good relationship, a, a pure relationship between you and I. Number three. Return to God in intimate times of devotion. A return to God in intimate times of devotion. I don't know what your quiet life looks like, but I began to experience my quiet life at a greater level when I was in college. 
I would go to college, and man, the, the stress of academics was just so much. I mean, it was like, <laughs> it was just all over me. I mean, it was crazy. College students, can I get an amen? Somebody better say amen. Man, it, college was just crazy. I was like, man, this is incredible. Just the amount of work that's going. I mean, this is, this is, and so I would take my Bible, and I would go to a public park, and I would sit down in my car with my Bible, and I would read a verse, the faithfulness of God lasts forever. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I look at it, and now I sit up, and I meditate. Trust in the Lord. God, what does that mean? And God, in those quiet times of devotion, God starts speaking. And when he starts speaking, that time was just so rich. It was just like a father talking to his son or his daughter. And he's, just, he's just loving on him and just telling him all the things that's on his heart. And I, I just really love that time. And maybe you are in that position today and you say, you know what, Pastor Ken? I remember I used to have quiet times like that. I've made some mistakes in my life and I've hit U-turns in my life and I've tried to take shortcuts in my life. But when I get back to the, I, I remember how I used to be. When you're back in God's word, you don't have to worry about taking shortcuts because he'll tell you, daughter, don't go that way. Go this way. Stay on path. Don't go mess with that person. Stay over here. Do this. He'll keep you from taking the shortcuts in life. Number four, after you realize that there's forgiveness available, read God's word for clarity, return to God in intimate times of devotion, restart the plan. What do you mean by restart the plan? Well, there are certain things in your life that God has already set in place for you and for your family. And some of you are on the right path. Getting married is a good thing. You know, being honest at work is a good thing. And so you were on the right path, but somehow you got off path and God said, hey, look, return to the plan. Return to the place where I'm trying to get you to. That's what David did. David didn't just give up all the and say, you know what? The ark can never come here. He says, hey, return to the plan. So David went back. He got all the priests, got all the Levites. He got everyone who was involved. He said, listen, God cut us off because we didn't do it correctly last time, but this time we're going to do it right. Amen. We're going to get the right people, the right people on the right seat on the bus, and we're going to bring the ark of the covenant back to the children of Israel. And sometimes we just need to know that. God wants to do a work in your life, but you got to get back to the plan. Restart the plan. And then the last thing. And I read this in verse 28. And what you have to remember in this entire process is that God's will is perfect. It is perfect because people think that if I follow God's plan, that's going to hinder me from having fun. This is going to hinder me from doing what I want to do. It's going to hinder me from happiness. It's going to hinder me from having a prosperous future. But when I decide in my mind or decide in my heart, this is God's plan, and it's his written word, and, you know, after I restart the plan, guess what? This is his good and perfect will for Ken. You've got to understand that. This is his good and perfect will. If I stay in my word and I, and I listen to what he's telling me to do, and although it may be bumpy at times, 
God will never leave you nor forsake you. His will is perfect. It's perfect. And so today, as we prepare to close, many of you have taken shortcuts in your life. And people have gotten hurt. Sometimes it's not you. It's not a direct effect. Sometimes it's your children. Because somebody decided to take the shortcuts. But inside of all of that, forgiveness is available for all of us. But God is not going to push himself on you. He says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. He says, I'll give you rest. I'll give you rest. But you've got to want to see God's plan fulfilled in your life. Or maybe this, maybe you've had some shortcuts and, you know, you were a Christian and you had those shortcuts and, man, you felt convicted and you, and you asked God for forgiveness. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're not a Christian. And your shortcut is, if I just go to church enough, I'll be okay. Or if I serve enough or if I just stay in Bible class, that'll be the way. There are no shortcuts to Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father. What? But through me. You must have a personal relationship with the Savior. There are no shortcuts to salvation. So I don't know where you are today. I don't know where you are if you're dealing with something in your life and you've been taking shortcuts and you've been saying, you know, Pastor Ken, you, you hit the nail on the head. Or, or something that I didn't even mention. And you said, you know what? I've been taking a shortcut in this area of my life. I need to fix that. These altars are open, open and waiting on you. Or just like I mentioned, you, you've been thinking for years that church attendance and those things are going to get you to heaven. And that's not going to get you to heaven, friends. And some people, watch this, some people have been here for years and you think that, you know, I'm not going to do that. It's too many people down there. I just, I just can't, I can't do that. Not right now. Pride is holding you back from getting intimate relationship with the Savior. Today, God is calling you near. Stop taking shortcuts. Come through the gate that God has so, so richly opened for all those who believe. And give your life to the Savior. Our ministers are going to be standing at the end of the highways. And I'm going to pray. And I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. But man, come. Like I say every service, why get dressed up and come all the way here and get nothing and leave the same way you came? That doesn't make sense. Come to Jesus just as you are. So if we all stand, our ministers are going to get in place. And I'm going to pray. And if the Lord is prompting your heart, we want you to come. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I thank you for just all the people that have come to know you, all the decisions that have been made for Christ. Lord, you have been faithful. And God, we have all, we've all sang in agreement to that song. You have been faithful. 
And so, Lord, I pray that today, if there is someone that has been skirting on the edges, I pray that they will come right now. You come. I pray that if there is someone who does not know you in the pardon of their sins, you would come. Come now. I pray that all of us as Christians and believers in Jesus Christ, if we have tried to take shortcuts in our lives or tried to do things that were not according to your word, God, bring us to a place of repentance. Help us to give our lives and our heart to Jesus. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your mercy. As in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're here today, the choir's going to sing. We want you to come. Come. Don't wait another moment.